Welcome back. Today, we've got an old friend on the call. Alyssa Bikar is a real estate entrepreneur who is now based in beautiful Pennsylvania. And I've known Alyssa for a number of years. She's one of our rock star clients who just kind of, you know, brightens up every room, takes massive action. And my goodness, she's one of our poster children, so to speak, of, of success and taking action with raising capital. So I'm really looking forward to catching up with you. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I don't know where I'd be without you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate your kind words. And well, uh, yeah, I now hail from uh, the rolling hills of Pennsylvania. I'm about two hours northeast of Pittsburgh, which is where I chose to uh, pivot. I grew up in New York. It's been my home for forever. But two years ago, we decided to invest in Pittsburgh and by doing so, move our family. Um, yeah. And, you know, you and I met when we were, I was still in New York. So yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, life yeah. has qu been quite the journey, man. Well, I can't wait to hear what, what you've been up to, but uh, just give everybody kind of your real estate investing backstory, because if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, you know where my memory's going, but if I'm not mistaken, you were relatively new to it when we first met a few years ago, or you had pivoted or something like that. So tell us a little bit about your your backstory with real estate. Yeah. So when we met, I was fresh into um, real estate investing on my own accord. I come from a family background of real estate investors. Right. Uh, my dad came over on the boat from Italy for the American dream and invested in residential and commercial rentals. So it's in my blood, so to speak. But um, on my own accord, you know, I had a career in financial services. So I am Alyssa Bacar, the consultress. I talk all things entrepreneurial business strategy and um, mindset when it comes to putting on that investor hat. How do you look at where you spend your time? How do you look at where you spend your money as an investment in where you want to go? Yeah. And so when I first met you, I was fresh off of, you know, getting licensed to be a real estate agent, getting pushed down that well-worn track of you need to get your license and buy and sell and transact for first-time homebuyers until you're qualified to be an investor. But as you know, Dave, I don't take no very lightly. So, uh, you know, I began at um, my local RIA and uh, started learning about deals and how to partner with private money lenders. And within a year's time, I was joint ventured in a couple of limited partnerships, raising hundreds of thousands, uh, nice. thanks to you and your tutelage. <laughs> nice. So you start off when you're raising the capital for those deals, those are multifamily properties, correct? So you're raising capital yep. for syndications, basically, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. And you did well with that. And where has your real estate investing journey taken you over the last few years? Because I, yeah, I can't remember we met pre-COVID or Right at the beginning during. of COVID, during COVID, yeah, okay. <laughs> right in the smack dab middle. Yeah, that I think. makes sense. Yeah. So, so what have you done since then, Alyssa? So, um, while I started uh, kind of biting off the whole elephant and then learning how to bite off one piece at a time, um, yeah. I joined a partnership that was buying uh, distressed portfolio assets and renovating and stabilizing. Um, I'm still partnered with those guys three years later, and uh, they really um, are some of the most. Um, intuitive minds in the business. They both came from uh, the mortgage business, which is, you know, they were kindred souls in my experience because I came from financial services yeah. and um, watching them uh, operate a whole business model around 70 something doors and bringing on private money and then 
all of the twists and turns that came along with that. I'm like, I think I could buy a turnkey rental in Pittsburgh. <laughs> this is no big deal. I think you know? I'm ready for this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go from multifamily to a single family turnkey rental. Got it. All right. But doing it all on your own, right? Because you had teamed up with these very, very experienced real estate entrepreneurs. Plus you kind of grew up around it. So you'd, you'd seen a lot of it, but there's a big difference between being kind of on, you know, part of the team versus being the whole team. So, yeah. so tell us, so you pulled the trigger and you bought a, a, a completely turnkey property in Pittsburgh? Yes, I did. In fact, the um, changing my location where I live kind of was the, the track that I had to pave in order to invest. I vetted Pittsburgh first as an investment opportunity as far as the marketplace, its economy. Uh, they were the best uh, market in uh, 2008 to bounce back from the Great Recession. Yeah. Um, so I had done my homework and then I thought, well, I do love PA. So we decided to take the leap off of uh, Long Island and then move the family. So it took a lot longer, I think, than I had anticipated to get the first deal in Pittsburgh done. But again, I learned by you know watching people who are much more experienced than me um, and having these conversations with people who were lending their money to these deals. And so I was kind of seeing it from the back end forward, yeah. um, how, what exactly it took to put the team together and to assemble the right allies and to know who had good deal flow and who was just blowing smoke, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but here I am, you know, three years after, maybe four years almost, after my pivot for me specifically to use my consulting and pivot right directly dialed into real estate and investment entrepreneurs. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm going first. You know, I'm paving the road by, you know, I'm learning what I need to do. And so therefore, as I pay it forward, I'm also, you know, learning more. So I'm getting paid to learn, number mm -hmm. one, which is awesome. That's where it's at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And also I'm able to kind of share with the people who know house hack that know Burr or that know Flip that there's a whole wide world of structures around deal making. And my number one proclivity is to you know, the people that you do business with, you know, like, and trust them. And that's what really makes the deals work. Because if anything is missing there in terms of your connection and your relationship, that's really where all deals fall apart is communication. Mm -hmm. So for me to get the turnkey deal in Pittsburgh, I had to not only make sure I was dealing with the right team, but that I had seen them and I had done diligence on people they'd work with. And, you know, all things done through relationship eventually prosper as far as I'm concerned. So, um, Long yeah. story short is um, having the, the conversations up front with the private money lenders and bringing them into deals that I was a party to, but not necessarily responsible for, mm -hmm. helped to give me all the confidence that I needed to do a deal on my own. And the, the deal that we did was 100% investor funded. Nice. So we were That's able pretty to, good for your first deal. Yeah, thank for you. your first deal by, I mean, by your little old lonesome. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let my husband hear you say that. He's not my little <laughs> lonesome, but yeah. He's not part of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that that is awesome, Alyssa. So uh, what year did you purchase the turnkey rental? Was that pretty recently or was that a couple yep, of years ago? That was uh, May of 23, May this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Just a few. So we're August right now. So a few months ago. So tell us about your experience. This is so interesting. Because you got started working with these other guys, helping them to more on the capital side of things, because a lot of your backgrounds around that. 
maybe not so much on the operational side or were you pretty involved in the operational side too? No. I was a fly on the wall operationally speaking. Okay. But uh, you're paying attention. The communications. So my I always thought I saw people get really frustrated with things that they should had no business getting frustrated with as a limited partner or as a, a private money pass, totally passive investor because there was no communication. They didn't understand um, where the deal was in the process. So I learned very quickly early on that in the absence of communication, that people assume the worst. Mm. So I was watching all of these transactions go down and all of these, you know, deals get structured and put together so that they could, you know, get over the line and get funded. And, you know, that I watch people get cranky. So, you know, to your point earlier about raising a couple hundred thousand right out of the gate, um, I learned that, you know, that money, whether it's, you know, a hundred thousand or a million, the people that are lending it to you want to be informed. They want to feel like they are on the inside track too, even though they're not responsible for the permits or for breaking ground or for managing the project itself or making sure that the project pushes the return that it's promised. You know, because things, as you know, things happen in real estate. Yeah. Deals go sideways because of supply chain, because of interest rates, where exit strategies no longer make sense after Pandemics. six months. Pandemics. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So um, learning- Well, that that's, that is really a good point, Alyssa. That is- I'm so glad that you brought that up. So it sounds to me like you kind of started out as with these guys, kind of as the capital raiser. Then you're the fly on the wall, kind of seeing what was going on. And you quickly became the investor relations manager for, or investor communications manager, same thing, mm -hmm. to just kind of keep keep people appraised of what was going on. So what walk walk me through what that process looked like for you, what you found that worked best, kind of the, the frequency of communications. And did you kind of have to cater that to everybody on kind of one-off basis, or did you set up certain standards and say, we're going to meet every whatever and go over things? How did it end up working out for you? Let's all right. To. So, so my first experience in all the ones that I, I got, exposure to all the ways that things could go wrong. Um, it was catch as catch can. It's maybe I'll talk to you when you call me if there's an interest payment missing, or maybe I'll talk to you if you call me and you wonder what's going on. Always being in reactionary mode, I found was the worst case scenario. So um, when I started doing things um, proactively, my first thought was, let's have a standing appointment weekly, whether or not we keep it. Let's have a one-on-one -on -one call, 10, 15 minutes max. But just to kind of let you know, I'm still here. You still have access to me. I'm going to pick up my phone every time that you call. And we have a place in the calendar, whether or not we keep it, that you know that I know that you know that I know. <laughs> we're still connected. Once, once a week. So how many people were you doing this with? Um, at the outset, once a week um, with the folks that were uh, higher ticket items, they they really needed me once a week. And we would talk business. We would talk other things. Uh, by the way, yep, project is Ceteris Paribus. Everything is still go clicking along the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, but I did find that when um, things started, the timeline started adjusting or uh, exit strategies started to change, they were the first to know because they weren't waiting for me to reach out to them. They knew that we had a scheduled communication. And I said, look, there's something's changed. Yeah. They were just expecting an update, but you know, they were again expecting some kind of regular communication. I built um custom reporting for these folks because it's not, we're not banks. 
You know, yeah. we're individuals putting deals together, but um, I wanted them to see that we were organized enough to have their information and all the pieces of the deal that were important to them, their metrics, that they got a report on that on a monthly basis. So we went from weekly as when we first started the deal process. And after about a month or two, we switched over to, you know, monthly communication. Did yeah. I say that backwards? We started weekly and we went to monthly. Yeah, that makes sense. Because now, I, I'm sure that those weekly first couple of weeks, they were showing up on time and everything. And then once they realized that, yeah, they could get a hold of you and that you would tell them the straight goods, then once a month was, was plenty. Yep. Yeah. And again, they have access, right? Yeah. So making sure that, um, Hey, are, uh, is everything good on your end? How's the kids? How's the family has business, but also it gave me an opportunity to share what else I was up to, what mm -hmm. other deals and happenings that I was getting involved with. And one of my biggest investors came to the table and said, yeah, I'd like to fund your acquisition. You deserve this. You're, you're really you're good the at what the, the turnkey. Yep. Nice. All right. Okay. So you got the, the first turnkey up and rolling single family home or, or duplex yes. or what is it? Single family, single family. regular long-term rental, or is it a short-term furnished rental? Normal regular, rental. regular yeah. old boring long-term rental. That's nothing wrong with that. So are you self-managing that or do you have a management company or what are you doing for that? Uh, we have a management company in place um, mm -hmm. and they were able to get tenants in within the first the 45, 60 days. Mm -hmm. So um uh, word to the wise out there right now, I got about seven applications in before we said yes. And I started to wonder if my, my uh, criteria was too high. But, um, you know, we had a steady property manager that said, you know, we see this all the time, you know, keep your criteria where it is. And it, it kind of helped for us to know that they were really experienced in the marketplace and mm -hmm. that they had, an, um, they had the property manager had relationships with other portfolio investors, to the tune of 500 plus doors. Mm -hmm. So knowing the expertise, again, that relationship piece that they, they were able to give us confidence where we were like, okay, this is new entry for us. This is a new marketplace for us in New York. We would have asked for triple the rent and uh, probably, you know, gotten a double the credit score perhaps. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, trusting the team helped us to navigate in and, um, you know, really lean on them. So they called us the other day and said, something's up with the heat. It was red tagged. And I called the turnkey provider that sold it to us. I said, Hey, what's the deal? I thought we had upgraded mechanicals. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's obviously a problem. Let me fix that for you. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a relationship with the property manager. So everything got handled outside of us and um, the tenants do not have our numbers, which is how we want it. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. Smart, smart. Okay. So moving ahead, what are the, what are your plans, Alyssa? What are you going to be doing next? Uh, well, um, raising capital for equity stake is uh, another one of the big pieces of my business model. So being what does that mean? Part, so it means being part of the limited partner um, ownership stake inside of an LLC that owns a deal. And it's a single purpose vehicle. So we have the GP, the general party, so to speak, uh, that does all the uh, permitting and all the project management um, where I'm taking equity stake in the deals that I am raising for so that now I am also part of the exit strategy as well. So raising capital and being investor relations is awesome, but it's more of like a nine to five type of role. Yeah. And um, in this way, I can participate in some of the upside as well. So negotiating oh, right, that definitely. on the way yeah. in has been really helpful. Perfect. All right. So you're still working with the same gang that you were work, you've been working with for the last three years. And are you going to still hold that role of kind of like the investors relations, investor relations manager type 
thing. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Cause it just, it gives me more of a track record too, because I'm, yeah. I am not only am I personally investing in turnkey rental assets, long-term holds in Pittsburgh, but I am also now involved in portfolios. I am also involved in uh, luxury flips. I am also mm-hmm. involved in uh, a lot of creative deal structures that little old me going to my local little Ria wouldn't naturally be exposed to, I feel. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And now it is about time that you got a slice of the of the pie for for doing that. That's that's awesome. I'm glad that you're you're going to make that happen. Now, when it comes to raising capital, what are you finding works best for you these days, Alyssa? Interesting question. Um, personal. I'm going to harp on this uh, until the cows come home. Personal relationship trumps almost everything else. So I have yeah. two ways that I invite people to my digital hearth space and that is by hosting masterminds Uh Um, i host masterminds once every two weeks for real estate investors across the country but only eight people at a time so that people can kind of get a flavor for where other folks are in their real estate investment journey and get a little bit of the exposure that i feel like i've been able to achieve by talking to people in my network but open that up and making it available to other people that i'm meeting so not only am i exposing myself to new relationships i'm also inviting them to come mix into and an mingle. environment, yeah. To not, yeah, to mix and mingle. But to me, masterminds is like networking. Um, so, so yeah. What maybe degree. define? Because there's so many versions of masterminds, all the way from, you know, I've been, I've been involved in lots of masterminds, all the way from free get together. One person kind of organizes everything, and it's focused around things, all the way up to forking out. 30 grand a year to be part of a whoop to do marketing mastermind, all this kind of stuff. What does yeah. a mastermind mean to you? What kind are, are you holding? So um, I was trained about a decade ago uh, by Jack Canfield in the success principles. So I'm a certified human potential trainer. And essentially he taught the exact formula that Napoleon Hill describes in Think and Grow Rich. Oh, the, so yeah, the, the, ra- the original mastermind. The yes. original, yeah. and you know what? It works. Yeah. If, if, I, if I throw out all the business tools I've learned in 20 years of being in business and just kept one, it would be the mastermind because okay. it brings people through that no like, and trust factor very quickly by curating the environment. Now, now that we're all digital, you know, sometimes you really don't know who you're dealing with over the phone or what have you, but kind of like hosting a dinner. I'm hosting a space where people can come and bring their ideas and bring what they're working on and get some feedback. Whereas networking, it's like, Hey, how you doing? It seems very superficial. A mastermind brings it deep really quickly. And there's, there's no room for negativity. Um, so, so, so what is, what is, what do your masterminds look like? How many people do you typically have in them? How long do they go for? I assume you do them on zoom or some sort of online platform. How do you get people engaged and, and on board to join you for one of these masterminds? Give me right a paint the, paint, paint the picture for me, Alyssa. So for right now, um, they're all by invitation only. People in the network who want to invite their strategic partners, their uh, capital partners, people looking to meet IRA, uh, self-directed IRA custodians uh, from all walks of my network, inviting people you know, with a personal invitation and allowing them to extend personal invitations is kind of the key. Is through connection, all things are made. And I host them every two weeks. And the maximum is 90 minutes. I find after about 60, <laughs> people start going boobily. And I don't blame them. Uh, being in any kind of format without moving and without changing scenery, so to speak, can get a little trite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do a, a five-minute opener 
like setting the stage and making sure everybody's familiar with the seven steps of the mastermind and then bringing them through and doing what's new and good, what type of investing are you doing and share with us some wins. And then each person gets a chunk of time to talk about what's up for them and resources and things that they're looking for. And then throwing it over to the group to say, I know a guy, I had that experience. Did you ever think about such and such? And people leave with a notepad full of resources and suggestions where in traditional networking, if you spent 90 minutes, you might wind up with a pocket full of business cards, but not necessarily actionable strategy. Yeah. Very, very cool. Reminds me a little bit of B&I. Mm -hmm. a, little, a little bit of how, how their meetings were formatted, if I recall correctly. Cool. So you do those every two weeks. You send out handpicked invitations to people in your network. Are you getting a lot of the same people coming back every two weeks or you send them out to different people every time kind of thing? So um, it's a good question. I do have repeat offenders or repeat uh, participants, um, but there's always a new person or three in the mix. Cap right. is eight people, again, because up to eight is enough to have a good discourse. Beyond eight, you kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have guests, like ringers, I call them, you know, people who have been in the business 30 years or folks that have uh, great services for real estate entrepreneurs, whether it's just starting out or you're looking to scale. So um, I, I try to curate the room based on the first two or three folks that are like, oh, I'm in. So um, every every mastermind is different, but true to form, when I put it together for someone, they say, hey, I, I really like this format. I want people to come to my mastermind. You know, they're the founding member. And then the room gets to be tailored upon them. The okay. room gets to be, you know, they so you help other star. people set up their masterminds too. Yep, exactly. Very, very, very cool. Sounds to me, Alyssa, like you've kind of come full circle. You started off kind of growing up in and around real estate investing. You got into financial services, financial planning. Somewhere along the line, personal development really kicked in and you got into kind of the, the coaching or the, I'm not sure what the proper terminology is there, that sort of thing. Then you 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 got into the real estate thing and now you're kind of combining all of this together. And it sounds like some of your coaching is, is really starting to be more geared around real estate investors and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and not, not around the, the nitty gritty, how to do real estate investing, but more on the communication side. Am I yeah, understanding more, things properly? Yeah. Yeah. The communication piece and how to, how to curate your team, you yeah. know, what questions are you not asking yourself that you should be, who do you need to surround yourself with to to answer the questions that you have in your particular situation. And you're right. You, you've seen my entire arc and how it all now funnels to financial freedom through real estate. It's because I'm a geek. I can speak of nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Alyssa, this has been a lot of fun. I'm sure there are going to be some folks out there that say, hey, I'd like to connect with Alyssa. I'd like to meet her. I'd like to maybe attend one of her masterminds. So if somebody's thinking that, what's the best way for them to reach out? So you can find me on all social at Consultress, just like it sounds, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-R-E-S-S. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, but if you want to email me directly, you totally can. It's Alyssa with an I at theconsultress.com. Beautiful. Alyssa, thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. Same here, Dave. High five. High five. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.